The sermon text is the Gospel of St. John, chapter 16, verses chapter 16, verses 16 through 23. Jesus says, In a little while you are not going to see me anymore, and again in a little while you will see me, because I am going away to the Father. Therefore, some of his disciples asked one another, what does he mean when he tells us, in a little while you are not going to see me, and again, in a little while you will see me, and because I am going away to the Father. So they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, are you trying to determine with one another what I meant by saying, in a little while you are not going to see me, and again, in a little while you will see me? Amen, amen, I tell you, you will weep and wail, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. A woman giving birth has pain because her time has come, but when she has delivered the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of her joy that a person has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. In that day, you will not ask me anything. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Back in the season of Lent, if you will remember, there was a season called, or a Sunday called, Rejoice. Now, if you are going to have a Sunday in Lent that is called Rejoice, that's all well and good. But if you're going to have one in Lent, you sure better have one in Easter. And this is the third Sunday the is kicked up a notch compared to the joy that you have during the season of Lent. So the name of this Sunday translates very literally as Make a Joyful Noise Sunday or Sound Off on Your Joy. Because today, our Savior Jesus answers for us, if you have a Savior who truly died and was buried and came back to life and now lives and is never going to die again, what effect does that have on you? What impact does that have on your life? And over the previous couple of Sundays, we have already heard many of the beautiful implications of Jesus' victory on Easter morning. And if Jesus is alive, then death itself is defeated. If Jesus is alive, that means our sins are totally atoned for. If Jesus lives, it means that any and all fear in our lives is completely unnecessary. And today, our Savior Jesus gives us one more beautiful impact of his Easter victory. If Jesus lives, that means all of our sorrow in this world is tempered and temporary. And that one day Jesus will turn it into joy. Joy that is total. Joy that can never be taken away from us. Jesus speaks these words of today's gospel on the night of Monday, Thursday, the night before he dies. And it is understandable that Jesus' words are confusing to his disciples. On this night, the disciples have already seen many astounding things. They have seen Jesus wash their feet. They have seen the betrayal of Judas foretold and fulfilled. 
They have watched Jesus institute his new meal where he gives his followers his own body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. And on top of all that, Jesus has been cramming as much instruction as possible into these final hours that he will have with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And during everything he teaches his disciples, there are some things that Jesus speaks in a very straightforward and literal way. There are some other things he says a little more cryptically. And it is one of Jesus' more cryptic sayings that leaves his disciples wondering what exactly he means. In a little while, you are not going to see me anymore. And again, in a little while, you will see me. Now Jesus' words have a very short-term sense in which they are true. Because in less than 24 hours, Jesus will die on the cross and he will be buried. He will be out of the disciples' view. But less than 48 hours after that, all of the disciples, with the exception of St. Thomas, as they are hiding in a locked room, afraid, they will all have the joy of seeing Jesus again and hearing him say, Peace be with you. Jesus' words also have a longer-term sense in which they are true. Because 40 days after he rises from the dead, Jesus is going to return to the right hand of his Father in heaven. He will leave the physical view of his people here in this world. And he will reign over all things for the good of his church until he returns again at the end of the age. And then all of Jesus' followers who are still alive in this world will see their Savior again. And so Jesus' disciples will have sorrow. For the couple of days when Jesus is dead and buried, but then Jesus will appear to them and renew their joy. The world, on the other hand, the unbelieving world is going to rejoice when Jesus is dead and buried because they will have him out of the way. But when Jesus rises on Easter morning, then the unbelieving world is actually going to lose some of its joy. Because they, they will still believe that Jesus is dead and buried and gone and out of the way. But now, they're going to have to put up with these people. These pesky people who actually believe that Jesus rose from the dead on Easter morning. Who believe they have a living, reigning Savior. And so they refuse to bow down to the world's demands to live like the rest of the world. Now it is true you and I are not going to get to have the kind of joy that the disciples had on Easter night when they got to lay their physical eyeballs on the resurrected Jesus Christ and touch the wounds in his hands and in his side. That's true. That joy is for them. It's also true, on the other hand, that you and I are never going to have to experience the sorrow that the disciples experienced between Good Friday and Easter morning. There will never be a time in our entire existence when Jesus is dead and buried, the way he was during those two days. That sorrow will never be ours. Now it is true that Jesus has removed his physical presence from his people, from the believers in this world, for the time from his ascension to his return on the last day. And Jesus refers to that as a little while. 2,000 years and running is a little while. I guess if you are the eternal son of God and time does not affect you, then yes, 2,000 years still qualifies as a little while. And the unbelieving world is still glad not 
to see Jesus. To be able to think that Jesus is out of the way, still dead and buried, or that Jesus never actually existed, that he is a fictional character, that gives the world, the unbelieving world, joy because it allows them to believe whatever they want to believe, to do whatever they want to believe, to do, to rush into every kind of wickedness and depravity. And the only thing still that takes away some of the world's joy are those pesky Christians, the people who actually believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that he is still alive, especially the Christians who cling to what Christ says, the Christians who insist that they don't just have a truth or their truth, but the truth. The Christians who still preach about sin and divine wrath and condemnation and God's earnest desire for all people to avoid that condemnation, but only through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. You and I, the followers of Jesus Christ, we do have sorrow in this world because we have to deal with our own doubts and our own uncertainties about Jesus' resurrection. We have to struggle with our sinful nature and we have to put up with the contempt and malice of the unbelieving world around us. And Jesus' followers in this world would like nothing more than for Jesus to come back right now. For us to have that joy immediately of being able to set our eyeballs on our Savior Jesus and have him just right now blast all that bad stuff away and return goodness and order to this world wipe away every tear from our eyes, but that's just not what's best. It's not best for us, and it's not best for the unbelieving world for which God is waiting with abundant patience to repent. And God knows that. And so for now, Jesus shows himself to us in a different way. He shows himself to us in his word, which is a living and active thing, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. In the Gospels especially, he shows himself to us dead and buried on Good Friday, alive on Easter morning, never to die again. And the Holy Spirit uses that good news of Jesus' Gospel to strengthen the faith in our hearts that Jesus really did rise from the dead and he still lives. And if he lives, then that means the absolution that you heard this morning from your minister has real divine power behind it to forgive your sins. And if Jesus lives, that means the sacraments that you receive have real divine power behind them to strengthen that saving faith in your heart. And if he lives, that means all of your sadness in this world is temporary. And it is temporary. It is like the grief and the pain of a woman who is in labor. That is tempered by her knowledge that soon it will be over. And once the pain is over, it will be replaced by the joy of a new baby. And when that happens, all the pain will have been worth it because the joy will be there and the joy will last. I have visited many parents over the years in that situation. One couple stands out especially. They had just added their third little bundle of joy to their family. And I went to visit them in the hospital the day after the birth, and oh, were they so happy, of course, smiles, joyful expression. As I understand it, the night before, during the birth, not so joyful. And not only for the mom, but also for the dad. He showed me proof. On the back of his hand were four fresh 
flesh wounds and a slightly bigger one on the palm. That's where the night before, during the birth, his wife had dug her fingernails all the way into his hand. And when he showed me that, it made me very glad that I had missed that part of the proceeding the night before. But now, on the next day, that hand was holding a healthy, happy, kicking, cooing little kid who is still bringing joy to her family today. The pain was over, the joy had arrived, and the joy was going to last. And things are tough right now for a lot of Christians in this world. And actually, they are much tougher for Christians in many other parts of the world than they are for us here in this part of the world. But there is still reason for Christians in the middle of the sorrow of this world to sound off with joy. Because as hard as it is for Christians who are suffering mistreatment at the hands of the world, things are never as bad as Satan wants us to believe they are. Because behind everything, there is this truth. Jesus lives. And second, you are going to see Jesus. And on top of that, our sin is an already defeated enemy. The unbelieving world is an already defeated enemy. The devil is an already defeated enemy. And on top of that, there is nothing that happens in this world that is beyond the control of our Savior who died and rose and lives again. Still, we do have sorrow and grief in this world because things are not as they should be. And things are not as they will be when Jesus comes back and burns it up and builds it again perfectly. Hatred reigns in this world. Corruption reigns in this world. Lies reign in this world. And we do have a sinful nature that wants to reign over us, that wants to control our attitudes and our beliefs, our words and our works. We must not let it reign over us. In the second lesson today, St. Peter writes, Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and temporary residents in the world, to abstain from the desires of the sinful flesh which war against your soul. Have you ever had the experience of being an alien or a temporary resident in a country that was not your own? It's usually not too hard to pick people like that out. They dress a little differently, they eat a little different food, they act differently, they sound differently, either speaking a totally different language or speaking with an accent. And of course, people in that situation then have to make a choice. Am I going to assimilate to this culture that surrounds me and become like everyone else? Or am I going to refuse to conform and stay just the way I am? And of course, most expats, reasonable people, pick something in between those two extremes. Here, the Holy Spirit commands Christians through the pen of St. Peter to be extreme non-conformists with this world. Because we do live in the world, but our lasting home and our true citizenship is in heaven. So we think the way that the Heavenly Father thinks. We speak the way that our Savior speaks, and we do what is in step with the Spirit. We shun the evil of this world.
refuse to conform. Because our Savior Jesus died to pay for our sinful lusts. And he suffered and died to atone for our failures to let our light shine in this dark world. So we do not resurrect those lusts and those ungodly behaviors anymore. Instead, we live the new life that the Holy Spirit gave us when he baptized us into the grace of our Savior Jesus. As for the world, it is going to go on rejoicing in its corruption. It is going to go on reveling, being pleased with its lies. Those are the birth pains that Jesus' people must put up with for now. And just as the moment of birth draws closer, the pain becomes more intense. The sorrow for Jesus' people will grow the closer we get to his physical appearing at the end of the age. But just like the pains of labor, it will be worth it. It will have been well worth it because you will see your Savior with your own eyes. He will fill your heart with joy. It will be joy that no one can ever take away from you. And so even now we rejoice and let it sound out. Amen.